Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello and welcome to Attacking a Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's show, we have a Women's Super League episode for everyone, and we have a special guest on who I consider a WSL expert, uh, women's football journalist, Sophie Lawson. Welcome to the show, Sophie. Hey, hey. Um, lovely to be here. Happy to have you on here. We're gonna we're gonna take a couple deep dives into WSL, but we just wanna you know give a quick reminder to everyone out there. Uh, let y'all know that you could subscribe to us at YouTube.com/slash Attacking Third. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you listen to your shows. And we want to let you know that in honor of WSL joining up with uh, Paramount Plus. We are giving away a $100 Paramount Plus gift card to one of our listeners to watch Women's Super League all season long. All you need to do is subscribe to Attacking Third on YouTube, like this video, leave a comment with your social media handle, and we will pick a winner, and you'll get a $100 Paramount Plus gift card. So subscribe, like the video, and comment with your social media handle to try and win. It's here or it's about to be here, Women's Super League kicking off very soon. Sophie, I'm so glad you're here with us. Welcome to the show once more. How, how, how are things going today across across the pond with you? Uh, with, with me? Um, yeah. Well, well uh, I was woken up by a cat this morning. She refused <laughs> to leave my room. Um, now we're here. Yeah, um, you know, same, same old, same old. I love it. You like it. I love it. I'm, uh, I'm thrilled to have you. Uh, joining us here because, you know, something that we've been doing um, over the last couple of weeks or so, or really just kind of feels like forever ago since since we had not actually announced this, but uh, we've just been gearing up for for Women's Super League. We're we're excited to to be the home for for viewers to, to watch this uh, this league uh, in the United States. And uh, we want to make sure that you know, American audiences here in the States are uh, as, as equipped as they can be to go ahead and, uh, you know, take a dive into into women's Super League soccer, excuse me, football. Uh, Got to make sure that they're equipped uh, to, to take in women's Super League football. Let's um, let's start with the 
maybe a you know a little bit of a flashback, right? Let's let's go let's go back back to the future, I suppose. The uh, the 2021-2022 campaign for women's super league. Who came out on top and uh, who was relegated? Who was promoted? Exciting times uh, with a little bit of a shakeup here going into this next season, I, I believe, right? Yeah, I mean, well, the thing is, you're talking about the last season. And I think for everyone who kind of lived through all the tournaments in July, last season was 12 years ago now. Yeah. So <laughs> it's a little bit hard to remember sometimes. But um, Chelsea finished top. Uh, last time, I, I feel like I'm getting this right. Last day of the season, finished a, a point uh, above Arsenal. So that was fun all the way to the end uh, for, for the London teams. And um, uh, Birmingham City went down uh, quite. It felt a bit of an inevitability uh, for, for for Birmingham, unfortunately, as as things were kind of moving along, moving along as they do in in this sort of professionalised world that the Birmingham couldn't quite hold on. But that that gives them up for a fun season in the second tier. But in place, we have had uh, Liverpool promoted because we do have promotion and relegation in in England, which is something we love to do with our football. And I know that maybe Americans are a little more uh, not not so au fait with that, but that's that's one thing we absolutely love. I feel I like that would have to be like a separate, a whole separate episode. Yeah. Like the I, I personally love the relegation and the promotion of it because it, it gives chances for new teams to come into the leagues and, and get a bit of a new look at competition and then perhaps be relegated right back down. But it's still, it still gives a bit of movement and rotation. Personally, I really like it. It, it jazzes up the whole league a bit. Um, so as you mentioned, Sophie, 12 years ago, yes, this last season was about 12 years ago. It's what it feels like <laughs> for sure. Um, but off season moves and trades, like are, are the teams from one season to this season looking pretty identical? What were some of the biggest off season, like player movement that happened in the super league? Well, Chelsea and Man City have been particularly busy. Um, they, they were, first and third last season they are generally there or thereabouts uh and yeah they've been they've both been a little bit busy uh chelsea in particular they brought in uh kadisha buchanan who i think north americans will know a canadian center back has been at leon just solid uh, they also brought in oh blimey if paraset uh uh, Svitkova, they brought in from West Ham. So they, they've really tried to... Oh, and, and, and uh, Kankovic from, from Rosengord. So they've really added a lot. They've added a lot in terms of attack. Even a player like Perisse, you know, she's going to be doing bits and attack for the team as well. Man City as well, because Man City have lost uh, a good good number of players, but they brought in uh, Australian Mary Fowler. They brought in Dana. Everyone knows they're sort of an incredible uh, young uh, Venezuelan. Venezuelan? Yeah. Um, and, and they, they brought in a couple of players from, from Spain, um, Layla and, and, and Laya, uh, as well as uh, Kirsten Kasperlai, uh, sort of a young Dutch player. So that they, they, again, brought in quite a few young players, but some players with a good future. So, yeah, everyone's kind of just bulking up in, in, in quite a... Everyone's kind of adding the same type of players they've already got. They're, they're, they're not, no one's gone, wow, we're, we're going to go there, we're going to get there of it thereabouts everyone's kind of just adding to what they've got but my worry for that is we're going to st still see sort of you know a, a Chelsea Man City Arsenal Man United Spurs Reading or yada 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 very much the sort of standard type of table come the end of the season 
So I want to ask you, with Chelsea bringing in um, a lot of different players, and, and uh, I mean, you mentioned another a number of other teams, but with Chelsea, you said that they're a lot of the same players. So are you expecting um, not a lot of change in personnel in terms of their go-to players? Like, Do you like all these acquisitions for Chelsea, or is it uh, almost a bit of a deflating balloon because they've already got so many great pieces? They've already got so many great pieces. The, the <laughs> thing about the Chelsea is... You know, I've actually been talking to a lot of coaches in, in the second tier about this because there's the impact. of Chelsea are trying to win the Champions League. So Chelsea have to beat Lyon, they have to beat Barcelona and, and all those great other European teams, which means that they've got to be right at the top of their game. But then that impacts the entire WSL because everyone then has to be able to at least try and compete with Chelsea um, from top to bottom, whether you're going for the title or just trying to be safe, which then that impacts the second tier. And it's 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 interesting. But look, Chelsea have their eyes on the big, big prize in the UEFA. So I I would expect nothing less from, from this team. To, sometimes it yeah. just makes it harder for, for everyone else, though. Yeah, I think with like, I know for, for me, like you mentioned, Khadija Buchanan, and I was absolutely amped, you know, when they Real. announced the, when they announced the signing, but, but I'm with you on that. It just sort of feels like, yes, it's, they've got their, they're going to compete in, in, in Super League, like they, they always tend to do, but it does really feel like they have their eyes on a bit of a, maybe considered a bigger prize, right? A bigger slice of the pie when it comes to the uh, European landscape there. Um I think, like, I'm, I'm talking specifically about Kadisha Buchanan, but was there is there any of these particular signings for any of the teams that you are, like, kind of excited to see in action with their new club? Mm. There's been, been quite a few moves. There's been, like, 140 moves in, in WSL. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I'm so asking you about just... the one that excites you, the one that excites Lawson. Oh, God, the, the roller decks in my brain is, is just, just flipping spinning. and flipping and flipping right um, now. I'm also really not just not you know I'm I'm showing my bias here with defenders, but I heard you you know you you went ahead and uh, you, you mentioned uh, Letizia and and I'm also excited for for this player as well and and I I think maybe like we're talking about like names that that folks here in in, in the states might be familiar with so it's like yeah Buchanan and, and Chelsea but with men with with Man United. You know, they got head coach Mark Skinner, who had spent some time mm-hmm. in NWSL uh, previously. What is it about, like, that signing with, with Leticia and, and Skinner going and, and acquiring this player that, that the people should maybe be a little bit excited about? She's, um, if mem- I don't know if I'm allowed to say it. If memory, she, she was, um, other teams were, were in for her and have been in for her for, for a, a year or two, I think, at this point. Um Big teams, they, they they see this 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 young great defender with such a high ceiling, and I think she's exactly. I think not just in terms of Man United being able to sign a, a player like Leticia and and and, and, in, and saying you know you could go somewhere else, you come to us. It's and I, and I know from from Mark Skinner's time in in uh, with, with Orlando, there's different feelings about sort of success <laughs> or not that he had there, but. From what what English fans have seen from Mark Sin, especially when he was back at Birmingham, he's good at developing young players. Maybe, and I, and I don't want to sort of say anything sort of to, to his detriment here, that oh, don't give him a martyr, don't give him Alex Morgan, but he's great at, at developing young players, getting the best out of them. So you take a player like Leticia and you you give her uh, to, to a coach who's, who's got a good track record with, with, with actually 
getting the potential out of his players. And that just, you know, you kind of look at where her ceiling is and go, oh, hello. Um, so I think yeah. that she's going to be great for, for United. And they haven't just strengthened in, in, in defence. They've brought, they brought in, like, you know, sort of uh, Lucia Garcia into their attack. But they've also brought in um, Toncar into the defence. So they're kind of all over the pitch and trying to just keep improving year on year. As, as we kind of saw Casey Stone, Stoney set them up initially, is, is that, that incremental growth. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Right on, right on. That's just for all off, off season, like players who came in as signings in the offseason, right? Um, so I know your Rolodex is going on right now in, in, in your brain, but I'm going to have you pause that for, for a second and maybe, maybe let's like, speak a little bit on you know players who didn't have who are still with their teams going back this year in in, in this season who who didn't have to worry about you know movement or or anything like that are are there any um you know top players in in your opinion who are you know still with the same club coming into this season that uh you know american audiences should should try to to get acquainted with early in the season here I, i don't know if you guys have heard of a player She's not that one. Sam Kerr? I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah. You know? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, you, might, you, might have, you might have heard of her. You might have remember, remember her. Um, mm. Yeah, I think okay, that goes. Yes. That, that's one of the ones, I think, one of the huge, you know, I think, you know, staple type of players or profile was, was already pretty elevated, I think, when she made the move, right, to Chelsea and mm-hmm. uh, in Women's Super League. And she had already sort of, you know, racked up golden boots and, and, and scoring titles, you know, both in United States with NWSL and, and uh, you know, uh, Women's A-League in, in Australia. And it just sort of felt like that was eventually a move to, to Europe was going to be the next, you know, kind of challenge for for a player like her. But I think more than anything, like watching her make that leap to Super League, um I just sort of feel like this is a player who made that leap into sort of obviously has risen, risen to the challenge. And, you know, in terms of, 
uh, finding herself playing in a, in a new continent and, you know, against players who, you know, play in different styles or, you know, uh, different sort of facing different sort of tactics, right. That maybe sh she was used to seeing in, in a place like Australia or in a place like United States. So that, that, that goes, you know, I think the, without saying that that's obviously you're correct in that, that's a name that, you know, probably some, some fans of NWSL over here will, will automatically probably be, be tuning in to watch, but you know, I, I'm curious if, you know, if it's maybe not so much those with with ties to, to NWSL past or, you know, or, or, or semi-present. But, you know, maybe maybe players who, you know, have perhaps, you know, kind of made their names in Women's Super League, you know. Um, I think like a big one for me that probably sticks out is maybe um, Minima. While she's not someone who, you know, she's not someone who maybe there wasn't a lot of waves around her changing teams, but I think there was still like a lot of excitement or a lot of attention. We'll say, we'll say that's a better word. A lot of attention about, you know, what was going to happen with that player in particular when it comes to, you know, a team like Arsenal. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of noise um, around. I mean, a lot of people wanted to sign her when, when she left Munich and uh, she's, <sighs> Arsenal are undergoing a bit of a personality shift with Jonas Ederval, their, their, their coach. He plays, he, he asks them to play in a very different style than they were used to under Joe Montemoro. So round about the first FA Cup final last season, because we had to because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So as we were hitting winter of last season, Arsenal suddenly just looked an absolute mess. Um, because they were shifting massively from one style to the next, and they dropped a lot of points, and they got absolutely humiliated in the FA Cup final against Chelsea because they they just they they looked entirely lost, and Chelsea were just very very good. Um, but so you know, as, as Arsenal have tried to work out who they are, what we've seen with Mima is she's now playing in so about like the nine and a half, not quite not quite a ten, but she's been sort of dropped back from the nine, and she's playing about nine and a half for Fiedeval, and. I think that's one of the most successful things he's actually managed to to accomplish with Arsenal because you're seeing all the very best of uh, of Viv as as an attacker. But you know she used to play in the ten. She used to, she absolutely adores being being the creator as well as the goal scorer. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions around her as a sort of lazy or lackadaisical or whatever. But she loves that type of creation that she can do from a little bit further back. So you get to see a lot more of that with Arsenal and her sort of creative side as well as the goal scoring. And then it's then how, how she works with sort of, um, you know, like a Stina black who plays uh, in the nine, or you've got sort of Beth Mead out wide and how that attack comes together. But I think just watching the, the Chelsea attack or watching the, uh, the Man City attack or watching the Arsenal attack all on paper, like, all those pieces for, for each team, just fantastic. And I think you can kind of sit and I feel like those are your headline teams, your headline matches that you can see, you can kind of watch and just go, they're a bit good. Yeah, I mean, I think when the, the Super League schedule came out and looking at some of those marquee matchups, um, there's definitely a handful to, to kind of circle. Um, and I do want to ask you which ones you're the most excited for because when you look at those matchups and obviously Chelsea being right like top of the table they're they're gunning for it all they want to win it all they've got the players and the personnel to do it can is there a team in this super league right now as your like preview prediction 
that could challenge Chelsea and and could potentially take them down because we talked about some of the acquisitions and some of the changes that have been made, some teams strengthening up a little bit. Is there a team that can do it? Uh, is this the point where I give like all my social media handles so people can like, just immediately <laughs> give me hate when, when I am? Um... People could say, you idiot, how dare you? <sighs> On paper, any team can be any team. No, there you um, go. I think yeah. from watching Man City in the Champions League, and yes, that was right. That was so, so early in, in the season because that's Man City played in the Champions League. They got knocked out of the Champions League when Chelsea were in Portland playing friendlies. Yeah. Um, just to try and contextualize that. And, you know, and Arsenal trying to find their new personality. I think just the way Chelsea play and the confidence they have, let alone the personality, and it's, it's just the kind of the swagger and the attack. And, and you know, you get like Harder going and, and Kerr and Kirby if she's fit. And, and it's all just, it's all kind of like, like Chelsea at their, be- at their best is like freeform jazz. Like you don't actually know what instruments you're hearing, but it does sound good. Um, and that's and it's <laughs> tough for like any like or a Man City or an Arsenal, even when they're they're playing well, is to keep that attack quiet. And you know, like maybe you can score on you can score on that team. You can you can score, but how how do you not get scored upon yourselves? Yeah. I think that's that's the problem a lot of teams have. And sometimes it doesn't click for Chelsea. Sometimes someone is definitely playing a trombone backwards or something, and it just doesn't work. But they're a team that just routinely managed to find a goal from somewhere because they've just got that quality in them. So I'm I'm saying, yeah. Sophie, you're like you're like giving us the keys to football right now. There's it's how you prevent the other team from scoring. You made it sound so simple, but honestly, I think that's the bottom line when it comes to any football, but especially the Super League, as you mentioned, because there are just top dogs in this league um, compared to some of the other ones. And and I want to ask about Liverpool, who. Coming into this, their newly uh, promoted team coming back into this tournament um, and, and back into the Super League, how are they going to fare? What When you look at this, I know you mentioned earlier with all the trades and acquisitions happening and, and how the lower tier coaches, um, it hurts them for Chelsea to be acquiring all of these players and just uh, making their roster incredibly deep. When you look at a team like Liverpool, who's newly promoted back into the Super League, um, what kind of challenges do that does that pose for them? Like as a team that's now back in this since 2020, um, what what are the biggest challenges they face besides perhaps uh, their schedule markup, two matches against Chelsea? Um, I think it's interesting because what Matt Beard who NWSL fans might remember from, from his time at Boston. Um, what Matt Beard did when when he kind of took over last season was he built a team um, that could not just win the championship as they did, and they had this incredible run last season where they finished so far ahead of everyone else because even in those games where they weren't great, they were still finding the goals um, to, to win. He built a team that could then but compete in WSL. So they haven't actually made many signings themselves uh, th- th- this offseason, I think. I want to say it's Emma Quivisto, Shanice van der Sanden and Gilly Flarty. And Flarty played under Beard uh, uh, at West Ham. Van der Sanden has played for Liverpool before. Quivisto has just been fantastic when she's played for Brighton in, in this in this league. So they haven't done much, but they've tried to just kind of analyse where they need that bit of strength because they've said they were very good last season. But it's... Every season, the gap between the second and the first tiers gets bigger and bigger. And I don't want to say that any of the players were complacent last year. I think you always play your best. But 
it can be a little bit of a shock of oh okay yeah yeah I, we're pl- wow okay this is yeah Chelsea yeah oh they're all international yeah okay it's going to take a second so I think it's just any team coming up it's the uh, the acclimation can sometimes take a little bit longer than they're expecting as well. It's quite it's interesting to hear you say that because you know you said we were talking a little bit earlier about the landscape of of, of Super League and. And those kind of, you know, those those usual suspects, right, that you sort of see um, hanging around the top of the table and, uh, you know, the, 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 the typical heavy hitters, right, so to speak, in, in, in this league. And, you know, I hear you talk about that and, and it resonates with me. You know, I've, 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 I have felt similarly about uh, NWSL, you know, the last handful of seasons. You know, quite frankly, I think there's – you can look at um, – you know, just just the past most past recent season, and sort of say like, hey, like, you know, these are going to be teams that you're going to see hovering around the top of the table, making a run for things like the Shield or, or appearances in, in, in the playoffs. And you can point out anywhere from you know one to to six teams, and that was you know back when it was just about a fourteen playoff or top four teams, and now there's expanded playoffs, so now you can still have a handful of teams and and you know, seem perhaps like a genius uh, in making picks for, for teams who might sort of end up um, in any of those uh, positions. But something that's been happening this year is with the recent expansion, right, from, from 10 to 12 clubs for for NWSL is maybe perhaps a little bit of leveling of things out, right, in terms of competition. Um, we're seeing an expansion side that has predominantly been within the top three throughout the entire season, led by Casey Stoney, right, in San Diego. Um, and they've hovered anywhere from first to third place, but have mostly been in first throughout their duration of their first, you know, their inaugural season. It's very, very impressive, and it's a storyline that we've all been been following and, and talking about. And uh, you see a team like Kansas City, who was in last place majority of, of last season, and now they're in the upper half of, of the table. So it's been kind of a delight to sort of see some of these surprises in, in, in the upper half of the table. And I just, I just wonder if with how Super League kind of came down to that final match day, right, with, with things sort of settling out. Chelsea's still obviously coming out on top, go Blues. But it, does that maybe set the table a bit for, for this season? Do you think we might see some, some more parity uh, a bit? Is, there, is, is that possible? Uh, um. Okay, let's 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 roll this back. So American sports feel I mean this and this is just my opinion as someone who born and raised lives in England. American sports are kind of built on the idea of parity. So even when you're looking about how teams are allowed to draft, it's you know mm-hmm. everything in theory, where before you start getting into like marquee players and allocation and all that, is supposed to be for for, for parity and, 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 and evenness. And then it's like and you look at like Casey who are now twelve matches unbeaten. And you look at sort of that rookie class, and you're going, yeah, okay, this team's good. Mm-hmm. Like if if they had what well, Williams and 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 Mewis, if they weren't injured all season, then who knows? And and you kind of look at how teams have been built, and there's there's a lot of there's intelligence to it, and you know you know that even if you kind of tank a season, you've got next season, you're already thinking, oh, we can sign that rookie, we could try and do this, that, and the other. Over in Europe, um, because. And again, I know this thing is slightly changing in, in the US with like sort of the player association and allocation and, and drafting and trading and now free agency and all that good stuff. It, it, in England or in Europe, it's always about 
the player having the power. And it's, I want to sign for this team. I want to do this. This team wants to sign me. This team has all the money. They can sign whoever they want. So it, it works in, in a very different way, which is why, you know, obviously not just in, in women's football, but in men's football, you, you're looking at a Jurgen Klopp team. You're looking at a Pep Guardiola team. It's... There's no sort of surprises there in, in seeing a Man City, a Liverpool, a Chelsea, whoever, uh, at the top end of the table. And we kind of have that same going on in, in WSL, that yes, these are the teams with the money. And it's not just, we can sign this player and give her just a very, very nice paycheck. It's, hey, our facilities are some of the best you'll get in women's football. And that this is a player that we will treat well and you know we will have this great atmosphere and we can sign whoever we want because it's so good. And also we're going to win everything. And that's another way of luring players out. You know, not every team can do that. Not, you know, uh, for a long time, Liverpool were were left out in the cold. Uh, for instance, they, they won the title and they won the title. Uh, they were setting the pace and then Liverpool said, yeah, okay, we're done. Um, we're not going to keep investing with, and and they ended up getting relegated. They're coming back, so that stuff is starting to, to change. But that's just for Liverpool. That's for for teams that have the money and want to invest. But it's everything, you know, that 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 to 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 lure a player in. And I don't think we'll ever really have that parity in England or in other parts of, of Europe because it's the money that that does the talking at the end of the day, and that's what we see in in, in men's football. So there might be sort of you might occasionally have like a Leicester City or you might have kind of changing the guard in Italy that one season it's Fiorentina, the next it's Juventus and then it's Juventus for five years, but then it's um, Inter or someone. But it doesn't, it, it never feels like it's going to be too seismic, especially in, in a league like WSL, unfortunately. But that being said, there are still great players and, I, and I, I kind of always want to hammer this home because a lot of broadcast picks, a lot of media, uh, for one reason or another, will always look at the top end of the table. And that's that's not necessarily driven by who you think it's driven by. But there's always the look at the top end of the table, the big big teams, big players. But there are great players all throughout this league, all throughout loads of different leagues. Uh, and sometimes you're you're thinking, oh, Arsenal, Man City's on, that's going to be great. But at, at the same time, like Brian are playing Reading and maybe that will just be like sensational football. You don't, you know. So I think you can look anywhere in this league as long as it's not top versus bottom. I think you can find something fun or something good, but you're not, not necessarily going to have parity. Um, right. yeah. That's very interesting. I, lo- I love that you brought it back to NWSL, especially for some of our listeners, so they could connect that to a team like Kansas City that does have a good roster and maybe this year isn't their year, but next year they've got the future. Um, thank you. That was very, very insightful. Um, I appreciate it, Sophie. I want to ask you about your team. And I know that you're a journalist and, and you're, you've got like middle of the road, can't do it. I want to know from you, who is your team that you uh, like to watch? Um, it really gets you jazzed up for women's football um, or, or a particular player that you're like, this is, this is my go-to. I just love this. I love when I get to watch this game and this player. And why why is it going to be a Spanish player? <laughs> There's not enough of them. There's not enough of them over here. Um, ooh, uh, yeah, I don't have I don't have a, a WSL team. Um, the men's team I support are nowhere near the the top of women's football. Um, and yeah, so then neither the women's or the men's team they're just bad. Um, 
So we know you don't pick the front runners. So that's good. That's a good baseline to understand. But like for me in the NWSL, I don't have a geographical team near me. So that's like out of it for me. Whereas like Sandra, she lives in Chicago. She's got the red stars. She goes to the games. Like she has a little bit more um, influence and, and more, I don't know, power to them. Like she likes, she knows them a little bit better. She, she wants them to win. Like she's got a little heartstring pulled for Chicago. Yeah. Um, Shy till I die. I mean, I, I live in London, so I uh, uh, I actually I used to have loads loads of, before Spurs moved away from the Hive. That was uh, my local team uh, talking about you know liking teams that aren't <clears throat> that uh, that hurt. Um, ah, boy, a go-to player. Um, there's quite. A, it depends what position you're talking. Like, so if people people who follow me online might be aware that I generally set up to very strange hours of the night watching not just NWSL but say um the WE League which is the in Japan uh, it's the so, Japanese so I actually was not sure what time zone you were on before <laughs> we jumped on this call because <laughs> you do not sleep ever I was like where in the world is Sophie located because she's tweeting at all hours of, of the night I'm located inside a giant orange yeah <laughs> um yeah native to uh to london i hear you can find a plethora of orange trees <laughs> yeah there's this i mean at one point arsenal was half dutch so and they're, yeah. they're quite near so i think maybe that go. but no um yeah I, I i i like watching football uh, and and i have you know sort of insomniac tendencies uh yes no i am i am gmt uh, but yeah, and so try and stay awake for sort of Japanese football or NWS or any any like sort of uh, West Coast evening kickoffs. I absolutely hate and and I've done it where I've I've gone to a match in England, stayed up, watched a West Coast kickoff, and then gone to another match in England, and it's very unpleasant. Um, hardest hardest working hardest working yeah. women's football. It's, it's just watching football. Like I don't actually write about it. I just watch it. I'm, I'm exceptionally lazy. Um, so to swing it around, uh, I was actually going to say someone like Yui Hasegawa or Mane Iwabuchi, but say because Arsenal are changing a little bit, Iwabuchi can't sort of do what she might do, say, for J- Japan, which is a bit of a shame for someone like me who just enjoys that type of football. But for those are kind of like those type of like technically gifted midfielders are going to do something ridiculous because they're so deft with the ball. Those, those are my types of players I like to watch. And then they're, they're kind of, they're everywhere now. So they are everywhere now. Um, that's delightful for all of us, quite, quite frankly, to be able to, to witness them playing across all sorts of uh, different clubs. And look, Sophie, I'm, I'm so glad that you have your handle on here you know, so that folks can tell you when you're when you're incorrect about what I'm going to ask. But but when we're looking at this, when we're looking at this season ahead of us for for or the next campaign for for women's Super League, who do you think is going to walk away? Uh, you know, with the with the whole bag, and and who do you think is going to be the dark horse? Who's going to maybe make uh, some noise? And, and and why is it going to be Tottenham? <laughs> um. I, I think it's it's Chelsea again. Um, frankly, I I think Man City. You've got some great players, uh, and they've got the players to make a run for it as well. But I'm not sold. The those players know how to play together yet, and that will take time. And 
sometimes you have to get halfway into a season before you get that cohesion. So I'm, I don't think City can challenge. I'm not sold on Arsenal, and I, I think I just prefer again, like I said, I like the sort of the, the technical players. So I kind of prefer that Arsenal for those kind of the Montemurro Arsenal rather than Edevel Arsenal, which then kind of reduces your your field. So it feels like it's going to be Chelsea again because, you know, it's it. It's a day that ends in Y. It's a year that ends in pandemic. It's Chelsea. Um, yeah. And yeah. Uh, so the problem is last season, we, we said Everton, well, a lot of people said Everton for the dark horses and they ended up just avoiding relegation. Yeah. Um, so if we say it's going to be Spurs, then they will get relegated. Um, <laughs> and Are we that powerful, mate? Come on. <laughs> The jinx, the jinx is strong. And my, my sister's a Spurs fan. I don't need that heat that close to my door. Um, but no, I think Spurs have made some great off-season uh, acquisitions. They were going so strong last season. And they started to wobble. Um, I kind, I like the coaching setup with, with, with who they've got. I don't think they're a team that are really flash and, and like oh my god. But they just kind of they get it done. And they're every match. It feels like they. Not necessarily get a little bit better, but they get a little bit smarter in what they should be doing. And I say it's some interesting, some interesting parts and interesting players they've signed. The team is very different from the one that got promoted a few years ago, um, in terms of personnel on and off the pitch. But yes, dark horses, Spurs, and when they get relegated, I um I will make like I'll bake a cake um to apologize. Oh boy. To, to oh boy. I hope not. I, I hope I hope that it's the pick. And I hope that it's not the kiss of death. And I hope that they actually do cause some trouble in uh, in Super League. I've enjoyed watching them a bit when I was able to during during last season, and to sort of just sort of see them on the outside looking in there, right it, in in the mid table was uh, it, it sort of left it left me wanting more basically. So I, I'm I'm with you. I think I think the Blues got the target on the back, right? And um, everyone will be gunning for them, and they'll also keep chasing. Keep chasing titles, um, but uh, I hope that we're we're correct for 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 Spurs here. But uh, that that's it for for today uh, from us, Sophies. I want to thank you so much for joining us today on Attacking Third and uh, chatting all things Women's Super League. I hope it wasn't too 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 painful for you. I hope it wasn't too painful for the listeners. Uh, you know, sort of dipping their toes into the waters for the first time, perhaps in uh, Women's Super League. So thanks everybody. For, for joining us uh, on, on, on the show. We just want to remind you before we close out uh, that you can follow us on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at Attacking Third. And please, please, please don't forget that you can win a $100 Paramount Plus gift card. Subscribe to us on YouTube, like this video, and drop your social media handle in the comments for a chance to win. For Sandra Herrera, Lisa Roman, and Sophie Lawson, this was Attacking Third. Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time. 
just like me, and also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Fiore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger, and don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com slash sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. <laughs> 